Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Asked you and you're thinking, dear God, what kind of church did I come to? <laughs> I assure you it's not what you think it means. It's just simply a play on words. And if you recall last week, we said that the F-bomb is simply the surprise of what happens in our life that produces fear. That F-bomb is fear that begins to grip us, take hold of us, and, and, and really mess with our lives. And if you recall, my wife, she ministered the week before, and, and she talked just simply, just, she really was uh, transparent with, uh, with herself as to some things that she was challenged with and things that she was just having to have a conversation with God about. And that is, is that there's thoughts, if we don't take our thoughts captives, oftentimes our thoughts can take us captive. Right? Isn't it interesting how the smallest thought can begin to mess with us and begin to become something very large in our life that becomes something very significant? Also, she said this in regards to uh, disappointments in life. Obviously, every single one of us have experienced disappointments, but you know that there's times that there's that disappointment, that one disappointment that has the opportunity of really rocking you on your heels and really causing it to take you captive. Where it's just really difficult to get over that disappointment in your life. Has anybody ever experienced those kind of things? I mean, it might have been a long time ago. It might have been 20, 30 years ago. But there's still something about that disappointment that still kind of attaches itself to you. And it shapes and molds and, and really affects the way you think and the way that you act in your life. Right? And so we're going to continue talking about this subject of the f-bomb or fear that likes to show up and if you remember we said that when it comes to fear there's the initial explosion of something that tends to go off something that happens maybe it's the disappointment but then it's almost like chemical warfare you don't see any dust anymore you don't see any debris anymore it seems like everything has kind of been cleaned up but there's still this gnawing and this eating away at your your just your person because of what happened, right? And so, uh, as I was preparing, I was thinking of a pastor friend of mine. He actually pastors here in Michigan. And his son, uh, I think his son is back in Michigan now, but his son was in Oklahoma. Anybody know who Oral Roberts was? Oral Roberts was a great man of God, was used mightily by God for decades. And some of you may know him for just his ministry and the things that he accomplished and the things that God used him. Some may just remember him for the mistake that he made. And, and uh, it's, it's too bad oftentimes that that's what his, his legacy was, was just the time that he missed it. But obviously all of us are subject to miss it, right? Well, he since went home to be with the Lord. But this pastor friend of mine, his son was in Oklahoma and happened to work for the ministry. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, he went over to Oral Roberts' home. Uh, Oral Roberts was not living uh, anymore. Uh, he had went home to be with the Lord, but they still held on to the house. And so I think the story goes is that they were purposing to get the house ready to put on the market to sell. And so here there's this young fellow, this son of this pastor friend of mine and his friend that went over there to do some work on Oral Roberts' house. 
And so as they're talking throughout the day, they're talking about just how God has done miraculous things and kind of talking about Oral Roberts and the things that took place in his ministry and just talking about the goodness of God. And then they started talking about just really the evil side of life and just how the devil type messes with people and, you know, starts talking about some of those things. And, you know, you can start talking about those things where it almost gets kind of spooky. You know what I mean? And, and to where when you start talking about some of those things uh, that are like supernatural, it can creep you out. You know what I mean? And so they had been working and talking about the supernatural side of God, but then they also started talking about the other side that was kind of dark. And as a result, they started creeping themselves out based on what they were thinking about and what they were talking about. Well, they had been doing the work and amid talking and doing their thing. Well, by the time they got done with their work, night had fallen, and so it's dark outside. And they were in the lower level of Oral Roberts' house. And they started looking down this long hallway that was dark. And the one guy says to the other guy, says, you see that? He says, yeah, I see that. What is it? I don't know. And so they saw some movement at the end of this dark hallway, and they were the only ones that were in the house. They'd been the only ones in the house the whole day long. And so they started seeing glimmers of, of, of shadows and kind of light, you know, it would get light and dark, and then it would disappear, it would go away, and they're like, what is that? So they had been talking themselves up so much that now they're seeing this at the end of this dark hallway, the hair standing up on the back of their neck, and they're thinking, oh my God, what is this? So, like, troopers are like, well, we're not going to be afraid of this. And why they did this, I don't know. But he said they started doing, like, army belly crawl down the hallway. (laughs) Why, I don't know. I guess they were going to ambush it. I don't know. But they're going down the hallway on their bellies crawling. And it's dark. Didn't turn the lights on. Don't know why they didn't turn the lights on. And all of a sudden, they see the, the movement again. They're like, what is that? And I don't know. And what they started to discover, there was a room on the end of that hallway, and they're seeing shadows coming from that room, and this reflecting on the wall. They're like, what is it? So they get to the edge of the room, and they're getting ready to peek their head in, and they have no idea what they're going to see. And they finally got to the edge of the door. They peeked around the corner. And they were in the lower level of the house, but there was windows along the side of the house where the ground was, and there was light that was shining in, and there was two little foxes that were playing outside the windows. And so the whole point is, is that because of their thoughts, it took them captive, it allowed them to get into fear, anxiety, concern, and worry. And because of that, it started to grip them and fear took hold of them. And all it was was foxes. But their head started playing with them and it took it to a whole nother level. You see how your thought life, you see how your conversation can agree with some things that show up and the F-bomb goes off and it starts to mess with your life, right? And the only reason why it messed with them was because they had lack of knowledge of what it was. Lack of knowledge or the unknown always produces fear, right? 
Now, I just heard this story. I was talking to a gentleman on the phone, I think just two weeks ago, and he told me this story about, I think it was a guy here in the church. And so if I'm getting this story wrong, it, 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 I'm not using names because I'm not sure if I got it right. But if I got it wrong, you can correct me later. But I, I heard the way it was told to me was that this father took his boys to school. And it's in this local area, took his boys to school. And when he got his boys to school, you know, that with all the, the shooting and the things that are going on, um, you know, there's this heightened awareness of, of these type of things that are going on. So he gets into the school with his two boys, and all of a sudden there's this alarm or something that goes off in the PA system, and there is lockdown in the school. He's got one, his two boys next to him. I guess one teacher grabbed one of his boys, pulled the boy into the classroom, locked the door. He's trying to knock on the door to get his boy, and she won't let him in. So now he's got one of his sons, and he finds out there is an active shooter in the school. And so he goes into one classroom, he, he shuts the door, locks the, locks the door, and he says to his son, he says, go get in the closet, don't get out of the closet until you hear me call your name. Don't get out of the closet for anybody but me. So the son goes and gets in the closet, and he's standing there by the door, and he says he's, he's looking at the door, he's got it closed, and he says he sees foot, foot shadows come underneath of the door just where he's at, and he says, I feel the, the handle, or I see the handle start to jiggle, and he says, somebody is right there on the other side of the door. He says, I'm working up in my brain, it's like, I'm going to attack this guy, or whoever it is, you know, whenever they open that door, and then he sees that the footsteps go away. And then over the PA... All right, drills all over. Go back to your classes. <laughs> this dad is like, drill? This is a drill? And he's, he said, I guess he just went off on the teachers like, how did you not tell me or inform us this was a drill? You had me scared out of my mind thinking there was an active shooter. He said, I was standing behind the door, and he says, I saw somebody pulling on that door. If I had a gun, I would have shot that person through the door. He said, somebody would have been dead as a result of you not telling me. And I shared that story with you because, once again, the lack of knowledge produced fear. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't realize that it was a drill. All that they understood is that I got my children separated. I've got one child that I'm trying to protect, and and I'm going to try to take down the shooter if I can. Right? And everything about fear, the F-bomb that showed up, was a result of the lack of knowledge. Right? So I wanted to bring to your attention some things that we all face, and I want to look at a particular story that we're all familiar with, and much of this story has really been taught incorrectly. And I want to bring it to your attention as to really the foundation of what this story is all about. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Anybody heard the story of Job? Everybody's like, oh, poor Job. That poor guy had it rough. I mean, lost his kids, his wife, lost everything, got sick. Man, this dude had it rough. Well, before we get there, John or Job chapter 1, verse 6 is where I want you to begin looking. But I, I want to preface this. this. You won't see this on the screen. But I just want you to be aware of who Job was and really the kind of person in life that he had. It says that there was a man in the land of Uz 
whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. So he purposed to live righteously. Verse 2 says, And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all people of the east. So notice what Job was accustomed to. He was a very well-off, a very influential, prosperous man, had a big home, very much livestock and assets, had a large family, right? He was the greatest in the east, so therefore they esteemed him, revered him as a man of influence. All right? So let's look at verse 6. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Let's read a couple verses here. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to the presence, or came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came up among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth and blameless and upright, an upright man, who, uh, one who fears God and shuns evil? Verse 9 says, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that Uh, that he has on every side, you have blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you you to your face. Verse 12, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand or in your power. Only do not lay a hand on on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So we've heard that on a number of, of occasions that God just said, Do what you want, I give them to you. Well, let's just back up for just a moment and let's look at a couple of things in that, that portion of Scripture. It says that Satan told God, Well, I've been going to and fro here and there, just looking for some things. Well, the Scripture actually defines what Satan does. The Bible says that he goes to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? So, in his going about, Satan is looking for somebody that's in a vulnerable position. Looking for someone that he may or have the ability to start messing with their life. Tracking with me? Then it goes on to say this. He says, God says to him, he says, have you considered my servant Job? We've heard it taught as though God says, here, I'm going to serve up Job on a silver platter. Would you consider him? No, the Bible already tells us that Satan was going about looking for opportunities for those that were in a vulnerable position. And he says to Satan, have you had your eye on Job? See, it's a whole lot different when you see it in the proper perspective because we've often heard it say, here you go, here's Job. No, the, really the translation or what God's saying is, have you been trying to 
Have you been looking at Job? Have you been, have you had your eye on him? And then Satan responds. He says, well, yeah, but listen, God, you've had a hedge of protection around him, his family, all that he has. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Because that latter part where Satan responds to God is the character of God. What does God do for his kids? He protects them. He raises up a standard. He keeps his hand upon all that you have. It is out of the character of God to turn you over to the enemy. If that were the case, then that means that God and Satan would be partners. And Satan, or God, does not partner with Satan with anything. He hates him, and everything that he did to send Jesus was to eradicate what Satan came to do in the first place. Are you tracking with me? So Satan recognizes this. says, wait a minute. He says, now, you've always taken care of your kids. You've protected them. I've not been able to get to him. But then notice what God says to Satan. He says in verse 12, Behold, all that he has is in your power. What is he saying? Satan is going to God saying, God, you've had favor on him. You won't let me near him. He must be special or something. And God says, listen, he's in your hand already. Satan says, really? Yep. You just can't kill him. You say, well, how was he already in the hand of the enemy? I'm glad you asked. Let's go a little bit further. Job chapter 3, verse 25. Job chapter 3, verse 25. Now, we already saw that he was a very blessed, prosperous man, had a large household, very influential, had lots of of assets and wealth. But notice what it says in verse 25 of chapter 3. This is Job speaking. For the things I greatly feared has come upon me. I was, uh, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Let me read that again. For the things that I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. So now we understand what opened up the door for him to already be in a position of weakness before the enemy. It was his fear. Well, how did he get in fear? Once again, I'm glad that you asked the question. Let's find out how he feared. In verse, what's the verse that I want here? Let me see that I get it right. I'll I'll find it here in just a minute. Okay, verse 4. Verse 4 is what I wanted. In verse 4, chapter 1, it says, And his sons would go in, go in or go and feast in their house, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Verse 5 says, So it was when the day of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them 
And he would rise early in the morning and, and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly, or the, Greek tra- or, uh, the Hebrew translation says he did it continually. So how did he get into fear? He was afraid that his sons and daughters, when they would go and keep the custom of the feast, that in the midst of them getting together during that time, that they would curse God, that they would sin against God. And so Job continually was in fear that his sons and his daughters would be out of the will of God. So he made petition for them, sanctified for them continually day and night. So in other words, his actions were responding to what he didn't know. All it was was a thought. Are my kids messing up? Are my kids failing God? Are my kids sinning? I better, I better do something to make sure they're okay with God. And the Bible says he did this continually. Why was he doing it? Because he was afraid to lose his children. And the thing that he greatly feared came upon him. His fear opened up the door for the enemy. Are you seeing this? See, that is the tactic of the enemy throughout our entire lives. This world consistently breeds fear every day of our lives. From the moment that you're born to the day that you die, it is consistently trying to get you to live a life of fear, of concern, of worry, of what could, what might happen, or a fear of the unknown. And isn't that what faith is? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, or that word hope means to expect, the things expected, but the evidence of things not seen yet. So I'm expecting something to happen, even though I haven't seen it because it's unknown. But the Bible says, really, fear is faith. And fear always comes when there's lack of knowledge. Faith always comes when you have knowledge. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Come on, are you here this morning? See, again, this entire life is trying to shape you, mold you, cultivate you, groom you to live a life of fear. And it grooms us that way from the moment we're born. I'm going to give you a couple different scenarios here just to show you how it is so subtle. Some of these things, as I share them with you, it might even start to hit a nerve. And it's not for the sake of trying to hit a nerve, but it's really to expose really those things and how culture tries to produce fear in our lives from the moment that we first become parents, the first time that we have that newborn baby in our arms. So let me give you a couple or a laundry list of some things that will produce thoughts, that will produce conversation, that could cause anxiety worry, or fear. Are you ready? Let's go on this journey for a moment. When we have our babies, there's the question, do we vaccinate or do we not vaccinate? 
Do we breastfeed? Do we bottle feed? Do we go to public schools or private schools or do we homeschool? Well, what do we eat? Well, we can't eat processed food, so we got to eat organic food. But is it grass-fed? Is it gluten-free? Well, you can eat meat, but don't eat red meat. Well, no, you got to be vegetarian. Well, no, vegetarian isn't good enough. you got to be completely vegan. Well, do I spank my child or do I count to three and put them in a timeout? We used to have fire drills and tornado drills. Now we have drills for active shooters in our school system. Are you seeing just the different things that we have maybe dealt with and the response or the thought or conversation was either centered around fear or faith? Here's some more. Learn a trade. No, get an education. Well, you got to get a good job. You got to work hard or not hard enough. Well, when I get a house, obviously a house comes with bills. Bills have repairs. Now I got kids. Kids need braces. There's medical bills. Teens are getting older. Now they're driving. They're out on the road. Dear God, help us all. They're starting to date. Are they going to date the right person? Kids are presented with options in our school systems. You can be gay, you can be straight, you can be bisexual. Concerning your gender, you choose. When it comes to our media, our media continually feeds this thought, this fear-based way of looking at things. Media, through movies, music, advertisement, glamorizes sex and the party life. It tells us we are to be tolerant, that we're to be acceptant. Well, the flu's coming, and if you haven't heard, this has been the worst flu season ever. But just hold on to your britches because allergy season's coming right behind it. These drugs will treat your symptoms, but they'll also produce all these other side effects, and they just might kill you. Are you Republican or are you Democrat? Well, you know it's the Republicans' problem. No, you know it's the Democrats that caused all the issues. Well, what about the president? Well, you know it's President Trump. It's all his fault. No, it's President Obama. No, it goes back to Bush. Bush created all this and they just inherited it all. No, it goes back to the Clintons. Right? There's all this conversation. There's the mass shooting. Well, you know the guns are the problems. Just get rid of all the guns. We We solve all the problems. Don't get on a soapbox now. (laughs) Is church really important to my life? How often should I go? There's problems in my life. Well, I guess now that there's problems in my life, I probably should go to church. What kind of church should I go to? Should I go to a denominational church? Should I go to the church that I grew up in? Should I go to the church that my family goes to? They only want my money. Well, how much money should I give? Can I afford to actually give money to church? Do I get involved? Do I get committed? Well, I don't want to be tied down. Will the church accept me? I'm black. I'm white. I'm brown. I'm divorced. I'm on my third marriage. I have children out of wedlock. I'm on welfare. I'm gay. Am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? All those things that I just presented to you are little snippets of things that produce thoughts. In every aspect in our political world, in our school systems, in our media, in our churches, 
there are things that we are presented with that cause us to take thought, enter into conversation, and once again, it produces fear or has the opportunity to produce fear. Come on, are you here this morning? We're talking about doing a community outreach and reaching this community. Do you realize that there's going to be a whole lot of people that might show up that are undesirable people, meaning people don't like them. They may not smell real good. They might not drive the best kind of car. They might come to church and they might be homosexual. What do we do? Do we close our arms up and say, you don't belong here, buddy? No. We love them. We embrace them. We reach out to them. Come on, are you here this morning? But we've allowed all this stuff to produce fear in our lives that calls us to not experience the fullness and the best and the blessing of God because we've allowed fear to dictate and govern our life. When we first started GVC, we had a rough group of people <laughs> when we first started, man. I'm telling you, anybody that could help, we just, come on, we'll, we'll let you help us, man. They were great people. Don't, don't, don't let me paint a bad picture. They were great. We had this couple that came, husband and wife. She was from a minister's background. Her mom and dad were missionaries overseas. She had been in church for years. She came to the church, and because of our ragtag bunch, her and her husband felt like they fit right in. (laughs) They were like, wow, we have found home. And they loved our church. She came and she met with us and she said, I just want to thank you for doing church the way that you do church. She said, because my husband never has been in church, never had a desire to go to church. But since we've been coming here, she said, he loves church. We went to the the, the Bible bookstore the other day. He's bought a Bible and he just loves reading his Bible. And she's got tears streaming down her face saying, thank you. And then she found out That we're a non-denominational church. And she grew up a certain denomination. And so I grew up a certain denomination. And so because our denominations were different. That was the last that we ever saw them. Simply because of fear of well. Do you have the same name of the kind of church you go to on your building? No. I can't go there. Why? Because uh, you might teach some crazy stuff. You might do some weird things around there. Only thing weird going on is the weird people that show up, right? <laughs> you know, we're all we're all in the same boat. Come on, man! It, it, but something so silly pulled them out of a church, and just a couple days before, she's got tears streaming down her face, saying "Thank you," and really, she was saying "Thank you" to God. Because she found a place that God was meeting the needs of her family. But because of fear, they they, they removed themselves and therefore they weren't able to experience the full blessing of God. And I've since wondered, did you ever find somewhere? Or did that just sour your husband so much so that he just says, I'm not doing that again because you got me scared. You know what I mean? Many of these things that we have strong opinions and concerns about, they're simply because of the unknown. And because of the unknown, the what-ifs, it produces fear. How do we combat that? 
First John chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, it says this. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. But fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love God because he first loved us. What will eradicate fear in your life? Discover how much God loves you. If you understood how much God loves you, he is doing everything within his power that he did for Job to build up a hedge of protection around your kids, around your family, around your spouse, when they go to school, when you drive down the road, when you go to work. But if you'll let yourself get into fear because of all of the unknowns, God says, I've got to step back and you've opened up the door for the enemy. But when you know how much God loves you, loves your kids, oh, I don't have to fear. Oh, God loves me. Oh, God loves me. Why do I have to worry about the drunk driver? He'll lead me, direct me, give me wisdom. He'll tell me not to go there or do this or do that. And therefore, I don't have to fear about the drunk driver because I'm protected by God. I don't have to worry about my kids getting shot up at school. Why? Because God's with them. They, if, if, if anybody's going to be protected, it's my kids. Because I'm loved by God. Come on, there is no fear when you know how much God loves you. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 through 7 says this. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious. Don't be afraid of nothing. But in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace, everybody say peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. That doesn't mean that thoughts don't come. My understanding says, boy, it looks like it's getting bad out there. Boy, school systems are having a hard time. Bills are stacking up. Oh, but wait a minute. I've got peace that passes all understanding. (laughs) Oh, God, I don't have to worry about the unknown. I don't have to be afraid of that. I've got peace because I know that you love me. And then it goes on to say, it will guard our hearts and our mind through Christ Jesus. It'll guard your heart. It'll guard your mind. It'll keep you in peace. Proverbs chapter 4 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your path. Matthew chapter 6, it says this. It says, uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you don't have to worry about the unknowns. You don't have to let anxiety, fears, and concern grip you. You don't have to allow the F-bomb to go off in your life and totally captivate your life. No, you can begin to stir up the love of God on the inside of you. If you don't know how much God loves you, all you got to do is start reading books of the Bible that starts talking about God's faithfulness. Did they have some rough times? Absolutely. But the Bible says that God delivers them out of them all. Amen. Well, poor old Job, he had a rough go of it. Listen, theologians tell us that roughly that time that he had difficulty, that it was 16 months, just a little over a year. So Job had a really bad year. How many of you have ever had a really bad year? Every single one of us can say, I've had a bad year. I've had a bad decade. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> right? Every single one of us have had a rough go of it from here or there or sometimes in our life. But notice what the Bible says. The Bible says that Job repented. He refocused and God restored him. In Job 42 verse 10 it says, When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored him and restored his fortune. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. I thought he was extremely prosperous. He was. 
I thought he was really influential. He was. I thought he had a lot of stuff. He did. I thought he had a big house. Yep. I thought he had a lot of kids. He sure did. God said he doubled it. He doubled it. Why? Because he says, God, forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for getting into fear. Forgive me for not allowing you to take control of my life. And all those friends that try to turn him against God and say, curse God, he prayed for him. And God restored him. Fear will always rob you. Faith will always increase you. Amen? Let's stand. Whether you realize it or not, you are faith giants. I know that in the days in which we live, sometimes it feels so desperate, so hopeless, so difficult at times. But remember I said, faith always comes with knowledge. Fear always comes as a result of lack of knowledge. And just as I close, I want to give you this example. Has anybody ever needed to do something and you went on YouTube, on Google and says, I need to know how to do something? Anybody ever researched that out? I think everybody in here has. I know I have several times. Why did you go get knowledge? Because you had a lack of knowledge, but you sought to know. And upon getting the information on that how-to video, how many of you, now raise of hands, how many of you actually did what you saw online and got the results you wanted? All right. So how did you accomplish what you did? You had faith once you gained knowledge. And once you gained knowledge, you said, I can do that. And all you had to do was follow the instructions. Looky there, I got it done just the way I wanted. God is no different. You say, why do we have all these stories of the Bible about David and Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and the disciples? All stories of people that are imperfect, just like you, that had opportunity to fear in the midst of circumstances, but they decided to trust God, and God led them through to victory, to success, increase in their life. When you read the book, when you read the stories, it's not fairy tale. It's an example of somebody that's been through what you've already been through and says, you can do it too. God's no respecter of persons. It seems impossible. It seems difficult. It seems hard. If God did it for them, he'll do it for you. Amen? Let faith arise. Let fear be dispelled through your faith. And let's trust God. Amen. Next week, come with your faith expecting God just to touch your life because it's going to be a good service. Amen. Let's pray and then we're going to worship God one last time before we leave. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the word. We thank you that, Lord, faith is arising in our heart and it dispels fear. For we're not people of fear, but people of faith. And we thank you that you have your hand of protection upon our lives our church, our city, our kids, our homes, our jobs, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.